Good morning, everyone. Today we're going to talk about love, a topic that's on TV, on the internet, on magazines. Anything we read or watch, see, it's there. And Jesus, too, talks about love. And so today I want to talk about this theme about love, but how it's different from everything else. Because Jesus says, by this you will know, the world will know that you are my believers, that you are followers of Christ, by the love that you show other people. What is the love that we are showing other people? Is it the same as the world is showing on TV, on the internet? Or is it different? Because if it's the same, then what attracts people to Jesus? Today we are in John chapter 17, and we're going to look at one of Jesus' prayers. Prayers are interesting because in a prayer, when you listen to someone praying, you can see their heart, you can understand, you can feel what they are feeling, feel what is important to that person. And we can delve into the insights of Jesus today by looking at his prayer. It divides into three sections, so I want to look at each section separately. The first is from 1 through 5, verses 1 through 5. The second section will go from 6 to 19. And the last will go from 20 to the end. This is in John chapter 17. And today he's concluding, he's, he's ending his time with his disciples. He has been speaking to them since chapter 13. And now, after this, from chapter 18, he will go on, he will be arrested, and he will be crucified on the cross. And so, it's his last words to his disciples before he leaves physically to be with them on earth. Sort of like how I can maybe one day picture myself saying goodbye to my kids as they leave for college. Sort of the last bit of advice as a father I can give my kids, like, you know, this is some things I want to keep with, I want you to keep with you when you go off to college. These are some things I feel important, so let me tell you this. And this is sort of the stance that Jesus has with his disciples on this night as he's saying this prayer. And so in verses 1 through 5, it says this, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And this is how he opens chapter, chapter 17. Notice how many times Jesus says the word glorify. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you. This is verse 1. Jesus is now facing the cross. He's saying goodbye to his disciples. 
The cross is literally around the corner. And Jesus is saying, may my life bring you glory. In the Gospels, Jesus is seen praying in the garden. Not my will, but your will be done, Father. And often, we come in prayer to God and wonder why some things don't happen. Because sometimes our will is not aligned with God, His will. We want our will to be done, not God's will. But Jesus is saying, look, hey, this is, this is giving me great pain. The cross, I, I don't know if I can do this, but if it's your will, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be obedient to you to the end. And this is the greatest irony because it is through the cross, it is through this most humiliating, excruciating form of death that Jesus will find glory. And it will bring glory to God as well. What is your trial right now? What, how are you suffering? What is your hardships that you are facing? The opposition? Because it is through our suffering that brings glory to God. How are we facing that? Is how we show the world who we are. Because in John, the world is all opposition, the rebellion towards God. And so Jesus is saying before that we will face hostility because the world is already in rebellion towards God. And if we are now part of God, part of that believing in God, living for God, the world will hate us too. But Jesus says it is through our suffering that we are bringing glory to God. The world says things. It, it throws lies at us. It, it makes us less than who we are. Our problems don't go away once we become Christians. The Psalms are songs of lament. Most of the Psalms are songs of Israel crying out to their God, Help us, Lord, from this situation. And it is through those suffering moments when we see the hand of God in our lives. When we see God protecting us, saving us, providing for us. And in verses 9 through 11, Jesus now continues His prayer. He says this, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but those you have given me for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And it is that last section that I want to focus on and it is a theme that we have seen throughout these last several chapters, the theme of intimacy, of how Jesus says for us to abide in Him, to abide in God. And here, once again, 
as the Father and Son are one, Jesus says, now you, the church, the believers, be one. The next section will talk about those who are still in the world, who are future, who are going to be the future believers. But now he wants to focus on the believers now and he says to them, the thing that will protect you while you are still here in this world is intimacy, is to be united, is to be one, as one with each other, as the Father and I are one. And we have talked about how Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are all one, and how they are intimately close, and yet they are separate individuals having unique roles, and yet they are one. And he says for the church, you too, look at us and you be the same. You be separate individuals. You are so different from each other and yet be one as the church. Why is Paul so adamant about keeping, having unity in his letters? We looked at 1 Corinthians last year and it feels a long time ago, but his theme of unity keeps coming up again and again and again. We have our differences, yes. We have our issues, our preferences, but Paul says, leave those aside. Stand as one, as your faith is one, as the Lord Jesus Christ is one, be one. And we are all one in Christ as Christians. May we as the church live as one. And we are one how? It is through the authority of God, it is then through the name of the Father God who protects us and unites us that we are now one. In the opening lines of the Gospel, John says, darkness did not overcome the light. The last verse of the last chapter in chapter 16, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. In a different way at the end of Matthew in the Great Commission, Jesus says, I have now been given all authority on heaven and on earth. All authority now rests in Jesus and He's now praying over us and it is His authority that protects us and binds us so that we now can stand as one and He is saying this is how you are to overcome now the world when you stand as one together as you love one another together. This is how the world will see what love looks like, should look like, is like with God. And this is what's going to draw people to God. And I want to end with verses 20 to 23 as Jesus prays for the world, for future believers. He says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, 
May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in me, I in them, and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to the world, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. So Jesus now wraps up his prayer with a prayer for future believers. That as the church is one, may we draw other people to God, to the church, and they now be one. All of us showing unity and intimacy as Christians because this is what it means to be followers of Christ. To love one another in this sacrificial love that Jesus will soon show on the cross. And so he says, now you guys bear your cross, die to yourselves to show love for one another. Because we all know full well how the world shows love in our families, in our relationships. We all think we're right. We think we're better. And Jesus says, no, throw that away. Leave that aside. Show love by dying to yourselves. And this is our mission, this is our goal. To put away our individual agendas, to step out of our comfort zones, to show the kind of love that would draw the world to Jesus. And I want to end by talking about the Holy Spirit as Jesus now, as He leaves, we talked about how He's going to send the Holy Spirit to guide us to the truth. So may God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, guide us to this unity, to love one another, to remind us of the things that Jesus has said and done, and how the Spirit will bind us together as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, to show the world what this new kind of love looks like. Let me pray. Father God, may we this week show one another this unconditional, sacrificial love that you have showed us. And by this, may the world know what your love looks like. That they may be drawn to you not by how good we are, our successes, our wealth, but by who you are and the truth you show through your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.